I am excited to share this conversation with you. I am talking to Caitlin of Stony Haw Farm, and she is just a wealth of knowledge. She started her homesteading journey just like the dream in a camper on some land, and she is turning it into something beautiful. All these years later, she is sharing her story and some really great insights about natural beekeeping and the fiber arts and how those things fit in on her farm. She's going to be one of our guest demoers at Skillshare that's coming up. And I am just really glad that we had this chance to have a conversation ahead of time. Have a listen and learn a bit and stay connected. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right. Hi, friends. It's me, Lacey. I'm really thrilled to be here today with Caitlin. She is going to be one of our demonstrators at our upcoming Skillshare event. She's going to be one of our demonstrators at our upcoming Skillshare event, which is coming together really beautifully. I cannot wait for this to come together and everyone to be together learning and experiencing these things in person, in real life in a tangible way. We live in this YouTube generation where we're all watching these videos constantly, but there's something about being in person and having this kind of experience that solidifies things for us. And that is what the Skillshare is all about. I'm really excited that Caitlin has agreed to be with us there. She is an expert in a lot of different areas. has been homesteading for a good long time. We'll hear more about her story and just has a lot of wisdom to share. She will be joining us at the Skillshare sharing about beekeeping, which how many people are interested in beekeeping? It's one of those things that you just jump in and learn it as you go. And you can learn from an expert before you start and maybe save yourself some some bad experiences. But I'm really looking forward to it. She's a natural beekeeper, which is a huge thing in my book. The bees should be cherished and we should do as much as we can to help promote them. But anyways, before we get started, Caitlin, would you tell us a little bit about your story of homesteading? How did you kind of make your way in this lifestyle? Where did you start from? Sure. Interestingly enough, I grew up, I grew up overseas and oh, wow. um, with, with the, the child of academics. And so everything was, mm-hmm. let's question this and let's research it and let's figure it out. So I found myself in my late twenties working in the corporate world and completely burnout, which mm. I don't think was a unique experience, but I know a lot of, a lot of folks have done the same thing, but I had been working in farm to table restaurants on the West coast. And so I had that, that connection to kind of, um, you know, source and end product being closely connected with as, as few stops in the middle as possible. And, and fiber arts and gardening were like my kind of cathartic things. So I packed up everything I owned and my German shepherd and drove across the country <laughs> and bought an Airstream and lived in an Airstream on some family land here in uh, North Carolina and kind of started doing that piece by piece. Yeah, I spent the first six months hauling water with a well bucket out of a well because we didn't have any electricity yet. Um, Oh, that's wow. You really started at the beginning. (laughs) I started at the beginning and I still, I mean, I was, it was a privilege to be able to move onto land that Mm -hmm. was already in the family. So that was like a huge, so grateful for that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but I just had trees. I, it was lots of woods and me and my little Airstream, I named Melvin just out there. Um, yeah, in the beginning. So 12 years later, almost 12 years later, 
we're things look much different now. Yeah. What I love and what I've heard before a lot is this, like, you know, it's not like you couldn't do something corporate and, you Mm -hmm. know, in those higher up positions, like you were, you had a leg up in terms of that really being raised by parents who could give you those kinds of experiences. And then you still distilled it back down to the most basic of lifestyles. And I I think that's my experience too, is, you know, the smarter you get, the more you realize is the less you want. And the more of just this back to basics lifestyle, I've heard a lot of people leaving the corporate world in the Mm -hmm. same situation and just kind of coming to this lifestyle. I think that's so, so interesting. Honestly, it's a little bit of like a migration or something back to our roots, but yeah. Um, and I, okay, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, and, you know, I homestead full-time. I have a full-time day job too. Like it's, you know, I kind of go back and forth, but that balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. But I found a way to kind of integrate that into one whole, one whole life. So grateful for that for sure. Yeah. That holism that's magic. I love it. Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about what your kind of your homestead. I think every homestead is different and it should, as it should be right. They're all mm-hmm. unique. None is just like the other one. Some people mm-hmm. keep all of the animals. Some people just do chickens or, you know, what is yeah. your, maybe the crux of what you're doing on your homestead? Well, right now it, it, it's, I mean, it's probably our fiber animals. Mm-hmm. Um, to, be, to be honest, we we raise uh, Angora goats and Angora rabbits with a focus on the Angora goats. But, you know, it changes every year. And I, I believe in in diversification. Like I, I'm not, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Sorry, <laughs> on purpose. But like- All these homesteading things, kind of like you like learn, oh, that's what that meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. And still doing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and like, you know, two years ago, we had a terrible, a terrible spring and lost a lot of our bees and had, had the income from honey been our only source of income for our homestead, you know, the, the books would not have balanced out. And so for us, like we have to have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies to kind of keep things floating along. In contrast, last year, we had a great bee and, you know, our our bees were fantastic. We went from one hive coming out of the winter to seven at the end of the summer. And there were, and honestly, there were a couple of swarms where I watched them go out the kitchen window and was just like, I can't, like, I can't. Wow. Like, you know, (laughs) peace be with you. Yeah. Um, but I uh, actually, I called my friends and they came and got them. But, um, <laughs> yeah. There's somebody waiting. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, I just, so I think I answered your question. Hopefully. Yeah. I go you did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, it brings up more questions. I could talk, I think about some of these things all day, but the Angora mm-hmm. piece. So just to clarify for our listeners and for me a little bit, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of what that means, but you've got Angora rabbits and you've got Angora goats. Yes. What the Angora, is that the region that they're from? Or can you explain that a little bit? That's what, it, that's what it's named after. Ankara, Turkey is where both of them purportedly started. Mm-hmm. Different people have different opinions on that and they trace them back to different areas, but mm-hmm. they both were raised as fiber, fiber producing animals. Angora, when you see like a sweater, sweaters seem to be what Angora goes into. So you see an Angora sweater that's from the rabbit. Mohair got a, mohair comes from the Angora goat and it oh, got really? a really, yeah, I got a really bad rap in the seventies with all those horrible scratchy couches. <laughs> um, but we're working on that. It's, it's a diamond fiber. It's amazing. I could talk about it for days. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Don't talk about it for days, but give us like the three minute version of why you prefer this, this, cause I mean, we have sheep and their sheep can, they can produce a lot of different kinds of wool mm-hmm. fiber, but what is it that drew you to the goats and to the Angora in particular? So for me, honestly, it was, and this is a big part of my homesteading thing in general, like like I said, I was super privileged to be able to move on to 40 acres of woods. Mm-hmm. As a fiber person, I want to go to sheep. 
right? Mm -hmm. And I have 40 acres of woods. Mm -hmm. So it really came out of necessity. Yeah. I didn't even have enough grass for primitive breed sheep, which sheep, which do a lot better. But the goats, I have the perfect scenario for them. I'm, I'm, we have a great breeder very nearby who was happy, you know, she was willing to take me under her wing a little bit and I just fell in love with them. So now they're like the cornerstone. We, it's what we do. I love that. And there's a couple of things that I love about what you said. One, you found somebody who would take you under your wing. I think one of our first things that we ever share with people that we're coaching and trying to help them on their homesteads is find somebody who is going to guide you wherever you are. You need to have a community of resources and support. All the online things are great, but they are never going to take you where you really need to go in the same way that somebody like right there with you can do. So I love that. And local is really important because they know your place, right? They know Mm -hmm. your land. They know what you're dealing with and what livestock will do well in those circumstances. And then the other thing is looking at your, your homestead, like holistically, I love that you're like, I want sheep, but, (laughs) but what do I have? Right. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with this idea, vision of what what we want out of our property instead of what our property is ready to give us. And I think that's such a valuable piece of wisdom that we can all apply and whether we have a, you know, urban homestead or we're living the dream life, like what is it that your land is ready for and how can you help it get to the place that you want it to go without pushing so hard that it's going to cost you a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of resources and, and maybe not be exactly what that piece of property is ready for, or even wants to do. So I, I just love what you said about all of that. And to expand on it, if I can, just briefly, I still want sheep, but what we've done is we're using the goats, right? Mm -hmm. So we are doing intense grazing pressure on small amounts of browse and then moving them once they've basically killed off all of the big brush. Mm-hmm. We have one two acre, I now call it a pasture. We have one two acre pasture that we intensely graze the goats on for about a year and a half. And now we have beautiful grass. Mm-hmm. And so we are, I'm getting to where I want to go, but yeah, but like you said, you gotta, you gotta apply what you, you know, you gotta use what you've got to get exactly. there. Yeah. And that succession is a really beautiful thing. Cause you're just using nature to do what you get, you want to get. Yeah. And we've done the same thing successfully on several acres as well. So just keep at it. Cause you'll get there yeah. for sure. I love it. Okay. All right. So Stony Haw is the name of your, your homestead. Can you tell us about where that name came from? Sure. My great grandfather, it was his property. He actually was the civil engineer that built the lake that I live on. And so that was like his man cave. We jokingly refer to it as his wife would not let him move there. It was too far out of town. It's like 15 minutes from (laughs) and out of Burlington, which is a small North Carolina town. It's not like she's a city girl either. Like, (laughs) right. No, no. Yeah. This is a city of 65,000. It's not. Yeah. Uh, It's not huge, but yeah. So that was the name that he had given the land. And I just, it's where, it's where the Stony Creek and the Haw River meet. Um, And so I just, you know, wanted to kind of honor that, that all of the things that he couldn't do or didn't do. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. That generational connection is huge. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So at our Skillshare, you're going to be coming and you're going to be sharing about beekeeping. I would love to hear your kind of getting started with beekeeping story. How did you get started? Were you kind of, did you do a master beekeeping class? Did you just dive in and get some hives? How did you proceed? So I found myself with a almost two-year-old and not like interacting with adults and kind of like I needed to come out of that shell of being like an intense parent. Mm. And my mother had always wanted to keep bees. 
And my mother wanted to move out here with me, but being a professor, like that didn't really jive and she wasn't really where she was. So anyway, so she had been talking about beekeeping and oh, wouldn't that be great? And I was complaining about being stuck at home all the time and ready to converse with adults. And just happened to see the the press release from the Alamance County Beekeepers Association, their beginning beekeeping class that they hold every year in January. And my mom was like, I know you're broke. So I signed you up. I paid for it. It's like, it's like a hundred bucks. It's actually less now, but um, at the time it was like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah. And so that was huge. So then I was like, okay, well, I have to go. So really it came from that. And then, you know, I went every week for 10 weeks. Um, The Alamance County Farm Bureau actually sponsors a cost share for Alamance County residents. And so I was actually able to get equipment and bees through that program. So now I've got my mom being like, how are the bees? And I've got the Farm Bureau like donating me bees. And I'm like, Oh, the pressure. Wow. Um, Yeah. But it was great. And that was seven years ago. This is my eighth spring keeping bees. I'm an officer with Alamance County Beekeepers Association. And I actually ran the class last year and this year. Wow. So it's really easy to kind of fall in love with. Um, yeah, it's every year. I, I think I have a handle on one aspect of it and then the bees decide that I don't and yep. teach me a whole, a whole new slew of lessons. So. That's been my experience. The bees, the bees, the bees. What a beautiful thing though. And I think that that is actually, I think when I say, okay, you need to connect with community, like, how do you do that? And this is a really prime example of jump in, you know, like, I think that a lot of times we stand on the outside and we think, okay, well, these YouTube videos or even podcasts or whatever are my connection, but they really, you have to find some of these personal networks yeah. um, and you can only do that by going and doing and yeah. diving in. And, yeah. um, and that's beautiful. And I know that beekeepers in general are a very tight crew. And so I'm sure that you found a pretty good, although in my experience, maybe it's changed since we were participants in the Guilford County beekeepers, it's an older crowd. <laughs> it is an older crowd. And I think that's why when I was late to the November meeting five years ago, I showed up at the December meeting as an officer. I missed the voting and whoops. Oh, buddy. <laughs> never, never late on election, election meeting ever again. But yeah, so we're trying to kind of recruit new beekeepers, younger, older, actually, we really don't care. We we're just trying to recruit and retain new beekeepers. Um, and, you know, everybody in the cost share program gets assigned a mentor. Uh, oh, which is, yeah, which has oh. been in, in just completely invaluable. Mm-hmm. And um, to bring the community thing full circle, my mentor was actually the electrical inspector on our house when we built it because we built our house ourselves. Neat. And his best friend is the builder we hired to build my mother's house now here out on the property. Wow. And we never would have made those connections had it not been for me needing yeah. to leave the house and getting into beekeeping. <laughs> Exactly. Leave the house. I know. Yeah. And I think too, that is one of the things about it. Like we, we homestay because we want to be home and there's right. nothing wrong with that, no. but you can't build a community alone on your homestead, watching YouTube right. videos. You just can't right. or reading books or magazines or whatever it is that you feel like right. is teaching you. So that's wonderful. I love it, which I'm actually going to start pressuring you to come to our farmer mastermind, because I don't know why you aren't already coming. <laughs> You're going to be yeah. in trouble. I have fingers um, in a lot of pies. Yeah. So share with us a little bit about how you would encourage beyond maybe starting in a community of beekeepers, people mm-hmm. to start with beekeeping. Is there sort of a, like, I know that I've learned for me, I really prefer top bar hives to 
traditional angst or fives. What have you learned that's maybe some of your favorite techniques that you can share with our listeners? Honestly, for me, technology turns out to be my friend. I'm a great note taker, but I take them on the backs of bill envelopes, post-it notes, like whatever is close to hand and then never to be seen again. Right. Mm. So for me, when I check my hives, I have my phone in my beekeeping jacket pocket mm-hmm. and I will take voice memos. Oh, so, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So as I'm going through my hive, I'll be like, okay, I'm in hive number one or whatever. And this is what I see. And this is what the weather's been like. And I'm hoping that by, you know, checkerboarding my frames, I'm hoping that I'll get a better brood pattern. Who knows? Yeah. You know, so I, I do the voice memos because my phone won't lose them. Well, it might, but it's less likely to lose them than me. So <laughs> Yeah. You have to yeah, get I might, I might know the type, the, the back of envelope, <laughs> scrap piece of paper, note-taking type. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I take pictures too sometimes. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'll take pictures and be like, I have never seen that before. Like what is happening? And then, you know, get, ask 10 people and get 11 different answers. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm hearing a lot of things from what you're saying, but one of the major ones is there's no really perfect right way to do beekeeping, which I feel like no. is very freeing and liberating. And, and I hope our listeners yeah. that with them because there is something very intimidating about getting started. Like, oh, I'm going to do it wrong or I'm going to, you know, screw up the hive or whatever. And I mean, it's like keeping yeah. any animal. I think you kind of have to get familiar with the personality of that hive and, and what it's doing and that kind of thing. I think, yeah, yeah. We never have all the answers. <laughs> That's the answer. No, no. And I think you hit the nail on the head though, because, you know, I have mentees now, which mm-hmm. blows my mind, but I have mentees and they're like, you know, how do I know when they're, you know, not doing well or something? And I'm like, well, if you're in your hives regularly and you watch them, you can tell when their behavior is different. And I say the same thing about people getting goats for the first time, people getting rabbits for the same time, you know, first time, like hang out with them and then you'll know, Yeah, you know, so and it does become more and more second nature as time goes on. The more time you spend with the chickens, the more more you, you hatch out, the more you just understand like, oh, they're chirping a lot. That means they're thirsty or something. I need to check. Or there's a snake in the coop or, you know, like it just becomes. I, I am my biggest obstacle. Yeah. So I will overthink and I will talk myself out of knowing what I'm talking about. And so for me, that's been the biggest personal challenge, the biggest personal growth is just to, just to stop thinking, just shut up, just you know, be present, be observant and, and go and go with that because yeah, I could sit there and talk myself into thinking they're doing whatever. So I think that that's the challenge of working with, I don't know how involved your partner is or not, but my spouse, I love him very much. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows Drew. He's great. And he also really likes lists and he likes doing things a little bit by the directions, you know, in more of a way and I don't even mean the like real directions because he never reads those, but like how the books maybe say or how the other guy said to do it, right? And I'm more of a like, well, that doesn't feel right kind of person. And a lot of times I shut that down because I don't want to, I don't want to screw it up because I'm following my gut. But usually when I'm following my gut, I'm getting it right. And because I think there's something um, intuitive in all of us connecting with nature that we have learned to kind of push aside in order to live this technologically advanced lifestyle that we all have. Right. So it's definitely a skill to be able to shut that off and come back to our instinct and let that every day. Right. It's (laughs) a big task, but I also think there's a lot of healing in that. I think there's a lot of like overcoming a lot of, for me personally, even some like mental struggles and, you know, 
being able to get out to nature and do the thing that's intuitive instead of like the forced, whether it's rose in the garden or, you know, exactly like the things that the books tell you to do, just follow your instinct, plant yeah. in a, you know, right next to a hedge if you want to, who knows, but yeah, this has been a really fun conversation and I can't wait for everybody to come together for Skillshare and build some of that community and do that learning together hand in hand. Come and meet Caitlin in person, connect with her online in the meantime. Caitlin, if you would list off some of the places that people can get connected with you. So stonyha.com, it's S-T-O-N-E-Y-H-A-W, also on Facebook, also on Instagram. Yay. And we'll include some of those links in our show notes. And when we share our podcast in the various places and some of the things that you have online for purchase for people everywhere, what, what do those include? So we have a lot of fiber products, obviously. So we've got <laughs> roving and uh, raw fleeces and some mill spun yarn, some hand dyed yarn, some hand spun yarn. I do not have my honey online, but I do have some soaps that we make and they, I do have some that have honey and beeswax from our farm as well as eggs from our farm. Oh, very neat. And all of that you can ship? All of that I can ship. Very cool. All right. Well, everyone, be sure to check her out online and follow along on her journey and stay connected with us as well. Again, make sure you're registered for Sailshare. If you're not, you're going to be in big trouble. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Skillshare. So I said it like a hundred times in this episode, but I'm here to remind you to register. You can do so at theschoolhouselife.com backslash homestead Skillshare. And you can join us in person and learn from 15 live demoers all about chickens and fiber and bees and sharpening knives and you name it. Some really great things are out here just for you to experience. Join us, jump in, learn something. We can't wait to have this community time together We'll see you soon.